This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. The Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast is brought to you in part with support from my listeners. Head on over to www.patreon.com slash joyfulcourage. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash joyfulcourage to find out how you can support the show. Each contributor level comes with bonuses such as access to monthly Q&A calls, access to monthly webinars, and an invitation to a private online community. Again, go to www.patreon.com slash joyfulcourage and become a contributor today. Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, episode 63. Hey, podcast listeners, welcome back to the show. So grateful that you are tuning in yet again. I'm really excited for my guest. So, How many of you have kids in extracurricular activities? Me, I do. How many of you uh, wonder, question, like balance or, you know, how hard we should push them and, you know, is it okay to say no and all of those crazy conversations that we have in our mind when our kids want to do what they want and then maybe they want to quit and then maybe they're like, remorseful, regretful about quitting, blah, 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 right? There's so much stuff that shows up around extracurricular activities. And um, I have someone who's coming on the show to talk about it. We're going to talk all about extracurricular activities, what we mean by that, what's the buzz that's showing up with parents. I know in my own community, um, there's a variety of things that show up, right? There's the kids that want to do everything. And do we have to say yes? Are we squashing their dreams? There was a conversation around with a parent who had a really young kid who was wondering, like, when do I start? When do we start to play around with extracurricular activities? So Joanne Foster is my guest, Dr. Joanne Foster, and she is a parent teacher, gifted education specialist. She's a university instructor, an educational consultant, and an award-winning author who has worked in the field of gifted education for over 30 years. She conducts teacher training workshops, gives presentations to educators and parent organizations in local, national, online, and international forums, and serves on several advisory committees concerning children's education and optimal development. When I reached out to her, I saw an article that she wrote about extracurricular activities, and I reached out to her and said, hey, will you come talk about this on my podcast? And she said, yes. I love it when that happens. So... Sit back and enjoy this conversation. As always, I would love to hear your feedback either in the Live in Love with Joyful Courage Facebook group. Oh, what? You're not a part of that group? Okay. So go on to Facebook and go up to the search bar and type in Live and Love with Joyful Courage. And that's how you get into the uh, Facebook group where we're having lots of lively conversations, supportive, encouraging conversations, um, places. It's a place where parents reach out for support. And uh, it's awesome. So head on in over there. You can give me some feedback there. Or feel free to send me an email at Casey at JoyfulCourage.com. So, hey, how about we listen in on the conversation I had with Joanne? Thanks for being here. 
Hi there, Joanne. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Casey. Please remind the listeners, or not remind, please tell the listeners about what you do. Thank you for asking. Basically, I'm an educational consultant, and I'm the author of several parenting and educational books that uh, deal with ways to support and encourage children's well-being. I focus primarily, but not solely, on issues that have to do with intelligence and creativity and self-confidence and productivity as well. And I've worked in the field of gifted high-level development for over 30 years. And uh, over those 30 years, I've had the um, experience of being able to connect with countless parents and teachers and counselors and administrators and professionals of all kinds. But most importantly, I've had the chance to work with lots of children and teens as well. Did you, do you have any kids? I do. I have um, two children and I actually have three grandchildren as well. Oh, how fun. How old are your grandkids? Uh, one has just turned six. The other will be four in January, and the little one is two and a half. Oh. And loads of fun, and um, it's amazing because they live very close by, less than five minutes, and uh, we spend lots of time together, and uh, it's fabulous. So great. I am so excited to have you on the show today, especially since this is the start of the school year, at least for those of us in the Western Hemisphere. And for many of us, it is the start of extracurricular activity season. And you posted an article that sparked my attention about the lure of extracurricular activities. And there have been, you know, of course, there have happened to have been questions in my parent community about when to start and what to pick. So I guess my first question is can you talk a little bit about what you consider an extracurricular activity? So what are you talking about there? When I talk about extracurricular activities, I think of them as opportunities for kids to complement what's happening in school. Um, extracurricular activities give kids a chance to develop their talents, to broaden their interests, to challenge their minds, mm -hmm. and most importantly, perhaps to extend their love of learning. There are all kinds of extracurricular activities out there. For example, kids might want to become involved in um, artistic pursuits or recreational ones or athletics or um, academics. Um, you name it, things like robotics and chess and dance and journaling and photography, whatever piques their interest and um, whatever will provide them with enjoyable, meaningful ways to learn to forge new relationships and even build upon those more conventional kinds of activities that are typically available during school hours. And so what's the buzz that you're hearing from parents around this? What was inspiring to you as far as sharing your article about the extracurricular activity stuff? There's a lot of buzz around extracurricular activities. I live in Toronto. Um, and this year, there's been such a high demand here for the extracurricular activities available that the registration protocols haven't even been able to keep up with all the parental uh, requests. And I'm sure this kind of thing is happening elsewhere, too. So regardless of whether a particular program is, is offered on weekends or before or after school or early in the evening, a major concern that I'm hearing is that getting that registered spot can be extremely difficult. The buzz is that parents may have to wait, they may have to line up, they may have to call in at weird hours, but most uh, most parents, I think, have to advocate. They have to advocate for more opportunities so kids can participate in what they're really keen to do. So parents need to take it upon themselves to get out there and find out what's available. There are community and cultural centers, libraries, studios, um, schools, playing fields, uh, you name it again. Um, and sometimes what's required is a buzz that resonates 
with the strength of numbers, parents who will get together with one another and organize more and also appropriately targeted kinds of program options for their children. So you're saying that it's, there's a, so not so much around parents wondering, should I, is now the time, but more around like, gosh, there just isn't even enough, the opportunities aren't keeping up with the demands that the families are having around where they want their kids or, or what their kids are saying they want more information on, that they're actually, the process of getting them into a class is challenging because there just aren't so many opportunities. Correct. So parents need to advocate for more opportunities for their kids. And and I write about this in my book, Beyond Intelligence. Mm -hmm. I, I, I talk about different kinds of uh, advocacy processes, tips uh, for parents who want to advocate. And, and another bit of buzz, by the way, is that um, parents aren't sure how much choice to actually give their children. Um, do you want them to be doing things that might be considered unusual? For instance, if they want to play the harp or they mm-hmm. want to take up fencing or they want to um, compete um, in certain activities that will involve travel or, or very early morning practices, 4 a.m., let's get up and practice. I mean, is, is that going to be okay or is it going to disrupt the family dynamic? Um, I can talk for a minute about how much choice is reasonable if, if you'd like me to do that. Well, we're going to get there. We're going to get okay. to that because I okay. definitely for sure 100% want to talk about that because I think that can, yeah, that can lead us down some really interesting slippery Slippery roads, right? So when my kids were really young, they did a program called Kinder Music, which was once a week, and the whole family went. And um, and they, my daughter did art classes, and they've both done dance and tried some different sports. And I also taught some enrichment classes at the YMCA, and they would come to those. And I was, I, I remember them when they were young. I was really excited and kind of antsy almost to get them involved in things, even when what I was seeing, you know, I remember like my son playing, you know, his first soccer experience and how like all the parents are on the field and we're all like (laughs) cajoling the kids into like run after the ball and pay attention over here and oh, the game's not over yet. And so talk about, you know, they're so little, right? They're so little at that point, but we, there's, it seems, and I don't know, maybe it's just my town, although I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not. It just feels like, and I could see a lot of parents that were putting their kids in these activities and the kids didn't necessarily look as though they wanted to be there. So can you talk a little bit about the perception of like the perceived pressure that can show up for parents around signing their kids up for things and, and that. I don't know, that that feeling like they need to be doing, they need to be interacting, they need to be in these like um, structured, controlled environments. What's going on there, do you think? I, I appreciate your concern and it's an excellent question. I think that if parents feel pressure about signing their kids up for an extracurricular activity, they should step aside for just a minute and ask themselves, why? Why Mm -hmm. am I feeling that pressure? For example, is it because the parents feel their child's not being sufficiently challenged elsewhere, so they feel a pressure that they have to provide that challenge? Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God. Spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 
35 different meal choices and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ertube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP?, it offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Or maybe the pressure is because they never had the chance to do this kind of exciting thing that's now on offer for their child. So they feel, well, I, I have to give the child a chance. Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe they want to give their child an opportunity to make new friends or try new things or, or not miss out on a potential learning opportunity. There, there are very sensible reasons mm-hmm. why parents encourage their kids to take part in extracurricular activity but it 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 doesn't have to be pressure laden this this process does not have to be pressure laden as long as parents can justify a good fit Mm -hmm. between the child and the activity so to that end parents might want to think about finding a kind of a sweet spot between having a child take on too much Mm -hmm. versus too little or between doing something enjoyable versus doing something that's being laid on. Right. Or making sure that there's um, a balance between that relaxation downtime that kids need, especially after school or, or you know, early morning sleep time is being interfered with. So, so that relaxation versus the, the physical exertion piece. The best balance of time, energy, and commitment. Mm-hmm. What parents should be thinking about three keys use of time energy and commitment and if you're not sure sure as, as a parent you can sit down with your child or your teenager and, and chat about that because having that discussion will allay some of that perceived pressure that you were referring to yeah you know and i and it's interesting to me too um because the conversation of uh around well i can't let them quit shows up really early, you know, and I remember the same feelings of like, well, we said, we said yes, we said yes to this. And now you need to see it till the end. And they're, you know, four and they had no idea what the experience was going to be like before they said yes to it. And then they experience it and they're thinking, you know, they're letting us know this isn't something I want to do. And then I, you know, that whole, conversation and that whole idea around, well, we can't let our kids be quitters and they have to, you know, like you were talking about commitment, yes, but when we're talking about really young kids who are trying things and perhaps we weren't, you know, 
forward thinking enough to think, well, maybe we should just try it first before we let them, you know, before we pay the money and sign them up. But what do you think, what happens for parents around that as well? And that whole idea of like, you can't quit. You've said you wanted to do this and now you can't quit till the end. The, the fact of the matter is if a child is putting forth effort and it's not the appropriate activity for him or her and, and she's, he or she is feeling stressed out about it mm-hmm. or would like to move on to something else, that's another discussion to have. My daughter used to take um, synchronized swimming classes Ooh, and okay. she loved it until it got to the point where they wanted her to invest more time uh, and more hours of strong practice and competition and, and so forth and become a competitive uh, synchro swimmer. And, and she turned to me and she said, you know what? I love the swimming. I love the exercise. I love the, the kids I'm swimming with. I don't want to go into a high-end competitive situation. I would like to try something else now. And she wasn't a quitter. She ultimately, you know, became a lifeguard and enjoyed swimming for the sake of swimming, mm-hmm. but went off and um, explored music and uh, and took a, a whole new direction and loved that. So it wasn't that she was a quitter. It she was she had tried something. She had felt um, successful at it. And comes a time when you move on to something else. So I think it's all about the attitude that the. Um, that the child has and that the kinds of encouragement that the parents provide is such that um, the child feels good about moving on to something else, not that they've abandoned it or that mm-hmm. they're um, copping out. And I'm guessing that it's going to be important because something that I talk a lot about on the podcast is simply the importance of relationship. And I'm guessing that when a child You know, I have a 13-year-old daughter who for the last two years has played at a very competitive level, um, volleyball, and this year she's questioning whether she wants to play at that level. I mean, it's like you said, it's a big-time commitment. It's a lot of money. Um, It's pulling her away from things that she would also like to be doing, and you know, and I've tried to be really, really clear and open that it this is for her. You know, this is not for me, even though I love all the parents on the team and I will miss them, um, <laughs> that ultimately she gets to decide um, what she wants. And I guess, you know, and I'm I, I guess even as we're having this conversation, I'm recognizing like when when we do our extracurricular activities, at least right now for the kids are really sports centered. Um, and you know, the, the, the nature of the competitive sports right now, at least in the States is unbelievable. And I think part of that getting them started so young is parents really feel like we have to start young because it's going to get competitive really fast. And if my kid wants to play, you know, I was talking to somebody about high school baseball and how my son likes to play baseball, but he's totally fine with Little League and doesn't necessarily want to commit to select. And this guy was like, well, if he wants to play baseball in high school, he's going to need to play at the select level before he gets there. And I just thought, gosh, really? You know, and I've read some articles around um, just that whole specializing in something and I get it with like a musical instrument or a, a style of dance. And well, maybe dance kind of falls like the sports. You know, kids that are playing multiple sports are using their bodies in multiple different ways versus just one way. I guess that would be the same for dance. But I'm just wondering, you know, and and you've said balance and now going back to <laughs> where I started this tirade was that relationship piece and really – having the relationship that is required with your child so that they can say, like your daughter said, you know what, I love doing this and I don't want to compete. I don't want to compete. And so what advice do you have for parents whose kids, you know, are involved in all these extracurricular activities to make sure that the conversation remains open, remains child-centered, and also, because um, I also have this just recently came up in my community, a mom that whose daughter wants to do everything. And so when I was talking to her, like, it's okay to have boundaries. It's okay to say, wow, here's the amount of time and the investment that we can make. And so you have to pick and choose. This is not just you get to do whatever you want to do just because you want to do it. 
you know, Casey, there's an age old expression that variety is the spice of life. Mm. And that to me as, as, as you were speaking, because children don't have to specialize in things. Children should be trying out new activities and exploring and seeing what's interesting to them and laughing and playing and creating and, and having fun doing things with friends. Competition can put a real damper on the fun aspect and, and make any activity stressful. And we don't want that. And, and the other piece of this, if, if things get stressful, this can rev parents up in ways that they lose perspective, pushing kids into excelling or concentrating too much on the, the winning aspect mm -hmm. rather than on the enjoyment piece of it. And, and you know, we've all seen parents um, hollering from the sidelines at hockey games oh, or yeah. swimming pools and soccer fields. And, and to what end? Like, why? Right. Um, competition can motivate kids. And for some children, um, it helps them to feel accomplished and, um, and they feel good about reaching a goal or extending their capacities. But again, it's a matter of that, that balance between what's too competitive, what's too easy. And, and what I would suggest to parents is that you aim for comfort and happy productivity so that the child is smiling at the end of the activity and the parent is smiling too, because they see that that child has, has put forth um, effort and um, has accomplished something in a genuine and, and happy, constructive way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would say there's probably, well, I know that there is a lot of benefit as well to having them step out of their comfort zone, but not, you know, and, you know, there's certain levels of stretching that are helpful in forwarding versus, you know, too big of a stretch or too stressful of a stretch. And that's kind of what I'm hearing you say too is yes, comforting, yes, meeting your accomplishments, which requires setting a goal and deciding where you want to go and then doing what you need to do to get there. Um, do you um, – so even so I'm thinking even of my – I have listeners who with a whole range of, of ages of kids and – you know, even listeners of young kids are looking ahead. And my kids, they're in their last years of year of elementary and middle school. And my kids talk about college and going to college. And, you know, and I've had conversations with my parents as well. And there's – and other people. And there's this feeling of urgency around the college uh, application. And like, oh, you got to put – you know, you have to help yourself stand out so you need to have all of these things on your college application and you need to show how you've excelled in, in a variety of ways and you're really well-rounded. And, you know, in the articles and the, in the um, video clips that I've seen, it, it has created this really stressful, especially for our – and you could speak into this because you have done work with those, um, those gifted kids and, and I'm imagining that those are the – you know, I mean all kids want to do well and excel and that – piece of perfectionism can show up too. And so I guess my question is just how do we support them and encourage them and hold space for them to be their best and try their hardest while also helping them recognize, you know, that being good enough is good enough. Okay. So you've, you've, you've asked lots of questions. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's okay. You've thrown a lot at me. I can handle this. Nobody feels that way. I'm going to deal with this. Thanks, Joanne. One at a time. So the, the first piece had to do with the um, the extent, the tons of activities that you were referring to in the college applications and yeah. so on, you know, whether or not this is a thing. Uh, and yes, it's a thing, but it's not the one and only thing. It's Because as kids get older, their extracurricular activities can involve community service mm -hmm. and teamwork and leadership experience and coaching and arts-based instruction and whatever else allows them to experiment and learn and prepare for whatever they might want to pursue um, at a higher level in education. Um, these kinds of activities might be a little bit different because they allow kids to um, get a taste for volunteering and for possible career choices and um, enables them to network with others in some of the fields that they might be interested in, science or music or whatever it might be. And it also gives them a chance to discard some of the things that, well, maybe not, you know, are not quite right for them. But but having kids do tons of activities, mm. um, I don't think it's good for anybody to take on too many commitments because 
you just become overwhelmed and then you end up forfeiting time that you need for important things like rest or school-based assignments. I think it's better to have a couple of areas in which you feel strong and confident and um, I think that's preferable to trying to be a, a jack-of-all-trades. So, so that's yeah. my response to that question you asked about tons of activities. You also mentioned the, the gifted piece and yes I have a, a strong background in the area of gifted high-level development um, but a lot of people seem to have this misconception that there's stress and anxiety that tends to show up more for these kids and their families and that's not necessarily true mm -hmm. um, because as with all children uh, it has to do with that fit finding the right kind of activity finding that balance that sweet spot I was mentioning before in other words what you want is is activities that will um, be meaningful that will be interesting that will enable them to experience the joy of doing and creating and and learning now some kids do require um, a more enriched level of activity mm -hmm. they might for example want to hone their skills in math or science or languages so there are extracurricular activities that can offer those kinds of things and other times um, the high ability learners just might prefer an activity that is more um, of a down time thing a recreation right, right. thing to give them that that bit of a break in in Toronto we have a program called um, brain power that offers many different activities and courses designed to help kids enhance their thinking skills and and so forth uh, but we also have all kinds of wonderful library based programs with hands-on activities that include things like kitchen chemistry and soft circuitry and how to develop wearable technology and build your own musical instruments. I mean, there's so many options out there for kids and the activities and the learning processes do not have to be stressful. Mm -hmm. If they're stressful and, and they're, they're making people anxious, um, then why bother? Yeah. Well, and you mentioned early in the conversation around that choice piece um, and what, and, and one of the things and my really rambling, multi-layered question that I just asked you was around that, you know, some kids, there's so much that they want to do. And it requires a parent to say, you know, this is what, this is, these are the limits. These are the boundaries. And, and I also was thinking too, because we're having this issue right now, you know, when you talk about rest, talking about family time, talking about homework, which is a whole nother podcast. And, um, you know, my daughter gets up, oh my gosh, she gets up so early. And I know that teenagers should be getting at least nine hours of sleep and she does not often get that. And, um, yeah, so, so talk a little bit about, um, that limit setting that parents can do and, and how to feel. Cause I feel like we don't want to, you know, we want to support our kids and we want to be able to say yes to things. And it feels uncomfortable sometimes for parents to say no, which is unfortunate because kids need to hear no. Listeners, it's okay to say no. It's okay. It's important and required to set boundaries. But when we're talking about, you know, interests and um, directions that our kids want to go in, how, what advice can you give to parents around setting boundaries? Okay, I, I think the first thing around setting boundaries is to establish whether or not you want to give your child or children some choice in terms of uh, deciding what it is they want to do in the way of extracurricular activities. So as soon as parents offer kids choice, they're opening the door for possible com complications um, think about you know transportation getting there uh, the financial considerations around a, a particular program um, sleep deprivation which you mentioned mm -hmm. um, the level or suitability of the program uh, scheduling conflicts with the rest of the family uh, not to mention the time factor because kids also need to have enough time to keep on top of their schoolwork and and you know plan what it is they have to do so Thinking about the choice aspect, it's probably easier to arrange for your child to do something like 
cooking or calligraphy than for them to have to take up, say, snowboarding or rowing or something Mm -hmm. else that requires expensive instruction or equipment or changes in family routines or some sort of specialized locale like a snowy mountain or a boat in a lake, right? Mm, Yeah. Parents have to think these things through carefully uh, in terms of what will be on offer, um, the logistics around it, what preparations needed. Um, and, and together, the, the child and the parents have to work out the pros and cons and the practicality. So the bottom line is really you want parents to be open-minded and flexible, but you have to make sure that whatever a child ultimately chooses will fit in with the rest of the family's needs and time frames and, and the harmony issue. I've actually written a lot about decision-making mm-hmm. and... Um, If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not gonna tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Decisions happen all the time in the course of everyone's day. Um, your decisions, what you, what you decide has, has a lot to do with what you do. So your actions and your words and your attitudes and your, your skill development and your friendship. I mean, everything has to do with deciding. Mm-hmm. And in life, some decisions are easy and some are hard and will present a learning curve. And developing accountability for your decision, whether it's for you know, a, a particular extracurricular activity or something else altogether is is the move towards independence and growing up. And so I think parents' roles here has to have to do with setting good examples about decision-making processes, um, encouraging their kids to be thoughtful of the rest of the family and, mm-hmm. and resourceful around what's out there and, and doable, um, and respecting one another's preferences. So for example, does does a child like to do something independently alone uh, on the computer uh, or or with other people? Do they like to do things competitively um, or informally? They have to think it through and um, make sure that they feel that they have some accountability and control where also the parents... Um, Stay engaged and on top of it and and make sure that it is, in fact, um, reasonable. I know it occurs to me as, as we're speaking that you've written lately about parents being intentional mm-hmm. um, and how important this is uh, in, in a parent-child relationship. I think it's it's hugely important because when parents model being intentional – it helps kids learn to become more purposeful and self-sufficient and sort of step out of their safety zone a little bit and and try new exciting things. So as long as parents um, don't loosen that safety net too much, right. um, but allow kids to feel the joy of, of independence and decision-making and, and personal growth, I think that's huge. I think that's yeah. absolutely huge. 
Well, and I'm thinking too about a great metaphor that a friend of mine was recently talking about and how um, when our kids are really little, you know, we when they're babies, we hold them close. And as they get bigger, you know, we let them explore a little bit further. The, the um, space gets a little wider and then they get a little older and maybe they have the whole front yard and then a little older and they get to explore the neighborhood. And by the time that they're teenagers, you know, they it's the size of a football field and they're there. Those teenagers are there with um, <laughs> shovels and wire cutters and ladders, you know, looking to push and looking to push. And, and it's, you know, and thinking about everything you're saying about choice, I think it's important also to distinguish, you know, as far as uh, development goes, you know, you don't need to – I think that choice – and space for choice changes and shifts as our kids get older and they get more um, aware of themselves and more aware of, of where their interests are and let go of some things and explore some new things. And, you know, and, yeah, yeah. And I think that also um, that values show up here too. So if if a family's value is, you know, it's important to me that we all sit down and have dinner together I would love to say every night, and I would love to say that we did that, but that's not the case. And But, you know, five times a week, we make that happen. And, you know, sharing that value with our kids as well when they're making their choices and, hey, this is a family value or this is a value. So, you know, here's the parameters. Here's the amount of, you know, here's the budget. Here's the parameters. And, you know, within this space, what are the things that you would like to do and explore? And what a great opportunity. I keep thinking like, God, what a great opportunity for our kids to get on the computer and find out what's available versus mom or dad saying like, okay, yeah, I'll figure that out for you. I'll explore that for you. I think just all of this, every little bit and piece of it is an opportunity for our kids to lean into some life skills. Absolutely. Right? And, you know, Again, a quote comes to mind, and, and this is actually Socrates, who said, wisdom begins in wonder. If you don't have that curiosity and that, that desire to explore and investigate, um, then you're missing something in life. So I think that together, families can work out what can be done. I mean, in terms of program options and logistics, yeah. and, and I, the, the biggest trick is potentially to try and avoid power struggles because yes. you don't want to, you don't want to do that. Um, so, you know, again, um, two, two words come to mind. One, one is excitement. You want to, you want to have that level of excitement that the child wants to pursue this particular activity. And, and the other is, um, to nurture it, to, to make sure that, um, the child is, is engaged and, and, is motivated and happy because otherwise it's just going to be stress laden. And, and so parents need to be flexibly responsive and, and listen um, to their, to their child and, and respect their preferences. My, my son wanted to play the drums when he was little mm-hmm. and I, I'm thinking drums. Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is going to be real noisy and drum sets are hugely expensive. But I said, okay, we'll give it a try. And you know, my, my daughter was young then. So, you know, once or twice a week, we went out for drum lessons, and it was a good half-hour drive each way, and she sat and did her homework while my son was in there learning the drums, and then he would come home, and he would practice the drums. We, we rented equipment and set it up in the basement, and yeah, it was noisy, but he was so happy playing these drums. You know, I, I, I couldn't not go along with it. After about six months of playing the drums, he'd had enough, and he said, okay, time to try something different. Right. And one half of me is going, yes. And the other half of me is going, well, are, you know, are you sure you've invested some time and effort in this? Where, you know, where do you want to go next? And so we had a, we had a discussion that, okay, you're not going to do the drums anymore. That's fine. I get it. What do you want to do next? And, and he moved on to something else. And, and I think as parents, that, that idea of compromise and being amenable to, to changing minds and um, juggling, you know, family commitments within reason. Yeah. All that is a learning curve for parents. Um, and again, as you mentioned, you know, having the budget, knowing, you know, there, there are limitations to what, what can and can't be done and, and figuring out a way to, to make it work by working together. Love it. Yes. And I, you know, and I just one last little thing, I, 
I am remembering how powerful it is and how uncomfortable it can be to be a beginner at something. And as an adult, I took guitar lessons a few years ago, and I had never played the guitar, and I learned, sort of. But the process of the learning and the process of navigating all the stuff that came up simply because I was in that learning process and in that beginner mindset was really powerful. And I think too, I mean, as you know, as we raise our kids and they get really comfortable as they learn more and more skills at things, I think it's a really good experience for them to continue to try new things and to continue to be in that space of, hmm, this is uncomfortable or I'm not, I don't quite have it. And then moving towards that, ooh, it's kind of, I'm getting it and soon I'll be able to do it. You know, I think that space right there, that wobbly bike riding space is a really powerful place for the brain. I mean, I'm not a brain researcher, but I imagine that that's a really great space for us to revisit and to grow. The wobbly bicycle space. That's yeah. <laughs> and and we all have it every every time we try something new. Yeah. If we give it up, then we would never know the potential joy that you know might happen at the end of the road, at the end of the bicycle ride. So, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Those kinds of experiences teach kids resilience and mm-hmm. independence and. Um, as long as they know there's some support out there if they fall, <laughs> yeah, yeah, within reason. But but we want kids to take on new challenges and and adapt to changes. And um, if they don't start that early on, um, then that can be problematic too. We we want to encourage them to take those steps forwards. And they may start with you know it may be little baby steps to begin with, but ever onward, ever onward. Ever onward. Joanne, I'm so glad that you came on the podcast to talk to me. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here, truly. Thank you. And so I have one last question that I ask all my guests that I love to end with, and that is, what does joyful courage mean to you? And I knew you were going to ask this question, and I gave (laughs) some really careful thought. And it it didn't take me too long to know what it meant because it it came from my gut. I, I, I love this joyful courage um, concept. So for me, joyful courage means using my intelligence, drawing on past experiences, acquiring supports when needed, harnessing my creativity, and having faith in my ability to confront changes and challenges. Oh, I love that. I actually wrote it down and had it in front of me because I knew you were going to ask me that question. <laughs> so to me, it's, you know, there's, there's, it's intelligence mm-hmm. building, it's experiences, it supports creativity and and faith or self-confidence in, in what I, I feel I can do. Love it. Where can people find you and follow your work? Thank you again for asking that. Mm-hmm. So listeners are welcome to visit my website and that's... Um, beyondintelligence.net and I have lots of links and resources there. Um, They can contact me at Joanne Foster at simpatico.ca and I have a column at the Creativity Post which is called Fostering Kids Success and um, so you can find some of my articles posted there or actually on my website and I have um, Three books out. One is called Beyond Intelligence. Another is called Not Now, Maybe Later, Helping Kids Overcome Procrastination. Ooh. Yeah, we can talk about that on another podcast. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, my first book, and, and both Beyond Intelligence and my first book be, is um, co-authored with Donna Matthews, and that is Being Smart About Gifted Education. And um, all three books are available at various bookstores and online. And um I just want to thank you for inviting me on to uh, this podcast as a guest because uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yay. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And listeners, you know that I will make sure all the links to all of those great resources and Joanne are in the show notes. So it'll be just one click for them to find you. Thank you. Great. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. All right, listeners, thanks again for sitting in on another conversation that I got to have with a really cool lady. I hope that you 
took some things away from that conversation. I would love, love, love to know what your lingering thoughts are about extracurricular activities and our kids and all that good stuff. So be sure to uh, show up in the Live in Love with Joyful Courage page and let me in on your thoughts or shoot me an email, Casey at Joyful Courage, because I'm your host. I'm Casey O'Rourke. Joyful Courage is my biz. It's my jam. It is my way of connecting and supporting and loving on all you parents and all you amazing parent educators out there. And this vehicle, this podcast is a vehicle for bringing you all together in a way where we can all grow and learn. So thanks for doing your part and listening in. Check the show notes for links to all of Joanne's resources and where to find her as well as a link to patreon.com slash joyfulcourage where you can become a part of the show, where you can show your support with cold hard cash (laughs) for the work that I do. And I'm going to continue to nurture that and grow that and offer up bonuses for people that show up and um, really go the extra mile to support the show. So be on the lookout. Check it out, folks. Um, big love to you. Remembering you can find me on Facebook at Joyful Courage. You can find me on Instagram at Joyful underscore Courage. And you can find me on Twitter at Joyful Courage. I get really creative with my name, Joyful Courage. All right, my friends. Big, huge love. Till next time. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.